I'm like a ninja. <laughs> well, Amanda, this sermon is all for you this morning. You too, Ellen. Um, Jake, I expect the same level of non-paying attention as I usually get from the sound booth with my slides. Um, so if you could just delay those like 15 or 30 seconds after I mention them, that would be great. Uh, appreciate it. <laughs> okay, well, conduit. Here we are, church at home this week. I, uh, I'll tell you that this is a, an interesting experience for me as I assume that it is for you. I never imagined that I would be uh, pastoring through a situation like this. And as I uh, kind of talked about in the video from earlier this week, there is a large part of me that will look back on these few weeks that we have here doing doing church like this and and saying you know man we nothing really happened right like we 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 took our uh, we took as as many precautions as we possibly could uh, we listened to those who were experts in the field we tried to exercise wisdom and caution and trust and man it kind of all blew over and I think if it all blows over and not a whole lot of people get sick and there's no big crisis, then we probably did the right thing. Uh, but suffice it to say, I know that there are a lot of us who are, uh, have a lot of questions and maybe are not still really sure w how they should act or what they should do or um, how, just like what to think about in a situation like this. And I don't pretend to have all the answers. You guys know that about me. But uh, I, do, I do believe, that I, th uh, I think there are some general principles that we can live by in moments like this and situations like this that will help us. So uh, let me begin by just praying over us. If you would join me in prayer wherever you are, wherever you're listening, whether there you are in this room and there are people in this room, um, or whether you are listening and watching either on our app or over video. Now, Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that in the midst of a situation that not many of us have experienced or dealt with before, that you would galvanize our trust in you, that you would give us continually the ability and the grace to make wise, discerning, and careful decisions. Lord, and that no matter what, no matter what may come, that we be continually um, full of passion to serve and love others. In Jesus' name, amen. So there is always a danger, I think, and it's, a, it's very evident in the last few weeks, always a danger of living on the extreme sides of life. All the way over here, or all the way over here. And we use lots of different things to describe those extremes. We say all the way hot, or all the way cold. We say right wing, 
we say left wing. We can say either or or. We can say black or white. But whatever terminology you're going to use for them, there's always a danger, I think, of going to one side of the scale and standing there and basing your opinion or your thoughts or your course of action solely on the extreme side of anything. Because very few things in life actually end up being successfully either or. Black or white. Hot or cold. Usually, the truth about something or the right course of action or the right answer ends up being somewhere in the nuanced middle of decisions. And I think as the older that I've gotten, you know, as a young guy, uh, even young in ministry, young uh, in marriage and with my family, I was, a, I was very, like, rigid. And it was either way over here or it was way over here. And I didn't have really the ability or the maturity, either spiritually or emotionally or mentally, to understand a perspective that existed not in the extremes of life, but somewhere in the nuanced middle. And if there is any group of people that likes to hang on the extremes of life, it's us. It's, it's Christians. It's the church. We've done a, a really good job, not just of living on the extremes of life, but about being weird about living on the extremes of life. And then adopting this attitude um, that anything that looks like it's in the middle of two possible decisions, we, we stamp it and we call it, we call it lukewarm. And we reference Revelation chapter 3, verse 16, about how if we don't make a definitive decision on one side or another, that God is going to spit us out of his mouth. And we, we must be on the extreme side of one thing or another. But, you know, as much as we may like to believe that Scripture is unilaterally clear in all circumstances, has one answer for every possible scenario in life, and that's the one that we must follow, the truth is, is that it's simply not that clear all the time. It's, it's, simply, it's simply not as easy as choosing the extreme and standing there. Now, I want to be clear, and I want you to hear me when I say, that doesn't mean that I believe that Scripture is inconsistent in its message, but the nature of God, the character of God, the will of God. It's not that Scripture can't be trusted or that you can pick and choose what you want to believe no matter what, that Scripture doesn't have really definitive things to say about about life, um, about faith, about God, about our relationship with others. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not speaking in terms of saying that, like, well, Scripture's inconsistent, and so you can't come down hard on a decision either way. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that we must balance what Scripture says with common sense and an in-the-middle approach rather than just running to an extreme and holding on to it for dear life. 
And uh, I hope to maybe explain that a little bit more today. When we have, I have three main points for today. And three main points that I hope to just, um, I hope that we can just hold on to in the midst of really the next three, three weeks as we're together in this format. But really it's not just three weeks, you know, it's kind of an all the time type of thing. Um, we've seen a lot of extremes lately. And if you don't, if you don't think that we've seen a lot of extremes lately, I, ha I have a little um, example to show you that we've seen a lot of extremes lately. This is normal lately. Th this is normal. We have, um, I've got these jumbo rolls of toilet paper here that would, um, I mean, this would last my family of seven a, at least a good day or two or three. Uh, but we've <laughs> seen these extremes of people just going way, way, way outside the bounds of what we would consider to be normal, average behavior. I want to encourage you today and every day, really, to embrace fully a few things that work together in our faith. When maybe sometimes we think that they work against each other, or maybe some, or maybe we're tempted to think that they work against each other, even in this situation here. And the first is this: it's a really obvious and basic one, but one that needs to be stated uh, very definitively is that we should trust God fully. That beyond, beyond and above all else, we have, we have a God who is trustworthy in his character, in his nature, in the way that he has come through with, come through on his promises. And of course, we see um, all throughout Scripture the admonition, the exhortation to trust God in all that we do. Proverbs Chapter 3, verse 5 is probably one of the most famous um, examples of trusting in God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in Him with all of your heart, leaning not on my own understanding, on my, my, my own perspective, my own, my own knowledge. It doesn't exist just there, though. Psalm chapter 9, verse 10. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. God has proven himself over and over and over and over and over again in my life and in yours. And in the history of all his people to be a trustworthy God who will not forsake us. Psalm chapter 112, verse 7. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. I spoke in my earlier message, um, in the video from earlier this week, about uh, the, you know, the, the, the kind of the common um, criticism of making a decision to not have worship services or not to get together in big groups or whatever the case may be, as a response that is based out of fear. A response that is based in, well, you're, 
you're just acting in fear, and we should, we should trust in the Lord, and we should, we should be co- strong and courageous in the midst of difficult circumstance. And Psalm chapter 112, verse 7 here uh, kind of comes underneath that. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And I want to just reiterate to you, wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching, wherever you're hearing this, that we, we're not afraid. This is not a decision made or based out of fear. Not a decision based in the, the trembling what-ifs of life as so somehow God did not perfectly have his hand on this situation and every situation. But as we'll talk about here in a few minutes, we believe it was dis- a decision based upon wisdom, based upon um, understanding and receiving from those who are experts how we can best be a part of the solution to this problem. So back into trusting God fully, finally the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 26, verse 3, you will keep them in perfect peace, those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust, our trust when rooted fully in God, when our trust is rooted fully in Him, He will keep us steadfast. We have a God that we can trust fully in all circumstances, at all times, no matter what we are experiencing or going through. Perhaps when, uh, perhaps the, like the greatest example of a God that we may trust in is found in Psalm 91. It is this like epic psalm that goes through how powerful, how strong, how safe we are with God. Uh, I want to read that over us uh, this morning and then say just a few words beyond it and past it. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you, no disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. 
I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, what an, what an amazing um, message and promise of the salvation, the power, the protection of God in the midst of fear, in the midst of what we might call crisis or pestilence, even it says, the plague that destroys at midday. We have a God that we can trust fully. But we should also understand this very, I would say, simple and profound truth of the trust that we have in God, and that, and, and, and that is this, is that there is the possibility to live in an extreme about our faith and about our life that walks around with almost a sense of spiritual bravado that says, nothing can harm me because of, because of what Psalm 91 says. I will tread upon the lion and the cobra. I will trample the great lion and the ser- serpent because Psalm 91 says that the Lord will go with me wherever I go. And he will command his angels concerning me to guard me in all of my ways. They will lift me up with their hands so that I will not strike my foot against a stone. And if Psalm 91 were the only portion of Scripture that was meant to exhort and admonish and encourage us about our faith, then I would say, yeah. We walk around with a bravado of not being able to be harmed or touched or hurt or accursed in any way. But I also know, and this is our second point for the day, I also know that Scripture speaks very, very clearly, very, very decisively about exercising wisdom and discernment faithfully. See, we know that in most normal circumstances of life, they, they require us to exercise both a firm, immovable trust in the Psalm 91 God that we see here, as well as a faithful exercise in what we would call wisdom, discernment, what some might even call common sense. Do we trust the protection, the care, and the salvation of our God. Yes, of course we do. Without beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know that the Lord has his hand upon my life perfectly measuring the barometer of all that is going on. I know that there is nothing outside of his loving and sovereign gaze upon me who is his child upon you who is his daughter his son there is nothing that escapes his grasp of course we trust in our god fully but do we let our kids run with scissors do we let our dog play in the road? Do we exercise 
foolishness speeding down a highway at 100 miles an hour without a seatbelt on, with no regard for human safety or life or the basic circumstances that we might call wisdom and common sense. Of course we don't, because we know that the exercise of wisdom is an equally present biblical principle as the protecting power of God. That those, that those two things are not mutually exclusive to each other. That you, somehow you can't have both a God who is immovably trustful, who has his hand perfectly on all circumstances, and who also asks us to exercise wisdom faithfully and, and discernment carefully and to not let our kids run with scissors and to not speed down the highway without wearing our seatbelt. And if you approach the book of Proverbs like a couple months ago, and I think that's, man, all the way at the beginning of the year maybe, or maybe it was even at the end, it was at the end of last year we did this whole sermon series on uh, Proverbs, on wisdom, wisdom for anger and integrity and relationships and all of these things, and, and, and wisdom for giving and receiving advice, and, and, and wisdom for wisdom in general. And we saw that the basic principle, one of the most basic principles of Proverbs is that Wisdom was not somehow antithetical to a faithful trust in our God. But the, that Solomon, who we presume wrote most of the Proverbs, said things like in uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, that it is, it is fools who despise wisdom. It is, it is people who are considered to be foolish who despise wisdom. Later in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13 through 15, in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, it is said that, that wisdom is precious, more, more precious even than, than fine jewelry and should be pursued, is profitable. And so, and so somehow we must come to some understanding about our faith and some understanding about our life to say that there is room at the same time to both fully trust in the power and the magnitude and the sovereignty and the goodness of God and at the same time make decisions that are discerning and wise and careful about life because it's not an either or it's not a black or white it's not a hot or cold sometimes it's a both and nuancing both for the good of those around us, for my own good, and for the glory of God. See, when you, I, I think that one of the issues is that when we come, when we come to a place where we're required to balance two things that maybe if we're living, if we tend to live in the extremes of life, we have a hard time taking those two things that sometimes th seem antithetical to one another and bringing them together and making them work together for the decisions uh, that we make, the things that we think, the things that we believe. And so it, it can be really difficult to bring those two things together. And I think at least my experience of my own life is that the reason it's been difficult for me often to bring my extreme opinions into the middle and make them mix up and make them be, like, make them... Um, congruent with 
one another is it's an issue of my pride. Like over here, when I'm standing on this extreme side, or when I'm standing on this extreme side, it's really easy for me to not actually have to think about what I believe. I can just believe it and stand on it and say it and hold tight to it without any, without any real intentional thought about, well, what does the whole counsel of Scripture say? How do I have a, a comprehensive view on things like trusting in God and making wise decisions? Being generous with my resources and also making sure that my family has enough that I'm saving for the future. Like it, so when we live on the extremes, it's very difficult for us to come together and say, well, how do these two things mix up? And I'm, I'm required then to leave behind the extreme positions that I've held before. And I may even feel in myself that now, oh, I'm, now I'm just being indecisive. I can't pick either or. Or I am, I am weak-minded or worse off, I am wrong to be able to hold in tension two competing things or things that at least I perceive to be competing. But let's be honest. If we're honest with the counsel of Scripture, that's really more about my pride than it is about what we see here. Because what we see here are things like, hey, trust in the Lord for He is good. He will protect you. He is the shade you know, he is the shade at your right hand, right? Uh, he will, you can, you can trample all over the, co- the cobra. You can enter the lion's den, right? You can fight the giant. But you know, wisdom is good too. Discernment is good too. Fools despise wisdom. And so we must come to some understanding of how living in the extremes robs us of peace. It can can rob us of a full understanding of what God says. The last thing that I'm going to end with this morning is um Maybe it helps us to have a pathway forward. Because in the midst of crisis, in the midst of like, what can maybe be a fearful thing? Um, sometimes we, it, it's e- easy for us to become sucked into ourself, insulated, closed off. We don't want anyone near us, and it may even seem like what we're doing here. But again, holding intention, all of these things, trusting God fully, exercising wisdom faithfully, we must be sure that as a people, as those who are following, as we're disciples of Jesus Christ, we are being conformed to his image and likeness by the power of the Holy Spirit every uh, morning, noon, and night, that we must also serve and love others wholeheartedly. We've talked earlier in the year about how um, God started calling a people unto himself in Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 when he approached Abram and he said, Abram, I am going to make you into a great nation. I am going to make you into a great people. I am going to bless 
you, prosper you, expand your territory. And then he goes on and he says, but wait, 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 but not for just your own benefit. Not because you deserve it. Not because I want to give it specifically to you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to expand your territory so that you in turn can be a blessing to other people. That you become, forgive the phrase, uh, a conduit for the ways in which I want to flood over my people with my own goodness. That all people on earth will be blessed by the people of God. And of course, that same promise passing through the the nation of Israel and as Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that that those who believe by faith in Jesus Christ are children of Abraham and heirs of the same promise and part of the same blessing to receive from God so that we may be a blessing to others and of course the most perfect example of that, Jesus himself. And I love the way that, that Paul states it in Philippians chapter 2, where he says these, uh, these very clear words that we cannot, we, it's very difficult for us to escape out underneath of them. He says in Philippians 2, starting at verse 5, he says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Uh, what is he talking about? Well, Uh, In verse 3 here, he says in Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Right? Maybe a silly example, but maybe not so silly. Maybe not so silly. Your attitude should be the, the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, listen, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, and being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross taking the very nature of a servant. How today, how tomorrow, how in the next three weeks can our attitude be the same as that of Christ Jesus? Who did not grasp on to everything that was his right, but instead took on the nature and role of a servant, becoming obedient to humility, Becoming obedient to serving others. Who considered not his own interests, but the interests of others. Church, listen. We may not be meeting in the same building. We might not be shaking hands and hugging and sharing coffee cups very much in the next couple of weeks. But our identity is no different than it always has been Our mission is no different than it always has been. Our calling is no different than it always has been. We can trust God fully. We can exercise wisdom faithfully. But but may we never, may we never stop loving and serving people wholeheartedly.
wholeheartedly, no matter what is going on in this world. Be that example. And not just that example, but, but be that. Incarnate that. Live that out. Live out the ideal of trusting God fully. Of exercising wisdom faithfully. And serving others wholeheartedly. Let me pray for you, conduit, wherever you are, wherever you are listening, if you are watching, if you are sitting at home, if you are driving in your car, I want you to know that you are loved. You are cherished. We, we love you. Our Heavenly Father loves you. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. In whatever environment or place that we receive it, in whatever ways that we are listening, whatever place we find ourselves, whether we are emotionally undone by the things that are happening in the world, or whether we are walking around with a bravado that says, nothing can hurt me, nothing can touch me, I am fine, Lord, may you find us in the middle. May you find us in the middle, Lord, and plant within us the continued passion, the continued desire, the continued movement to serve and love others wholeheartedly. Be with us, Lord, as we navigate this season. Be with us as we seek ways to love you, to love each other, to love our community in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Conduit, you are loved. We'll see you next time.